0: Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday on this June the 29th in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Good morning, Wes.
1: Good morning, Tom. How are you?
0: Doing pretty good. Is it raining out your way, or how's the weather going to be this weekend?
1: well it stopped raining here about an hour ago very light rain right now the sun is out but we're still calling for some rain over the weekend which our farmers need a lot
0: they sure do the further north we go in illinois to the congregations i'm serving the less rain appears to be in the fields and the corn isn't near as high etc so they're really looking for rain if God so should will it so that's what we pray for for today. Now normally on.
1: Parn. Nothing absolutely. I agree with you.
0: Normally on Thursdays we get pretty negative talking about the terrible false teaching going on in the church, but you uh, sent me an email from Mark McNear. And it's entitled, Why This Story, Lord? Learning to be Grateful for Your Difficult Life Story. And Mark really has a difficult life story that he talks about. But what I found very interesting is his response to that difficult life story, even though he knows that God paved the way for that difficult life story so let's begin by you giving parts of his difficult life story
1: well he he describes his life story in in three short sentences first he was thrown in the garbage by his dad when he was four years old he was sexually physically emotionally and verbally abused as a child and it was just 10, 10 years ago to, to the day that he hit rock bottom and ended up in rehab for addictions.
0: So ending up in rehab for addictions, obviously he was on some drugs. Right. But then he says, what if I told you, despite all of the above, that I'm learning to be what for my story?
1: Right. <laughs> Grateful right for his story, is complicated, traumatic, yet redeemed life.
0: There's no doubt that he says, if I'm honest, there are times that I'm not happy with the story that God has given me. Now, that's a really interesting observation, that our life is a story that God has prepared for us. And at times, we are not grateful or happy with what we are going through. But he says, I'm truly learning to be what?
1: Grateful. Because the Lord has restored every single bit of his messy life.
0: What psalm does he turn to?
1: That was interesting. He he uses Psalm 3, verse 3, and said, God is the lifter up of his head. In other words, he takes away the shame of his story and has kept him down and struck in the mire and generally lifts his head with dignity and love.
0: Now, how can a Christian have that kind of attitude, particularly with the messy life that, many Christians go through
1: well there's there's a list that, that I made out of out of the Bible there's the story of Joseph you went through a messy life oh good there was Job, there was Job who, who even questioned at a point what was going on but didn't blame God there was a blind man that Jesus healed there in John Uh, There was Paul who, for the sake of the gospel, was beaten and kicked around. Uh, And, and of course, out of Egypt, God called his people who had been in slavery and, and, and death and brought them to life in a new land.
0: It's not at all unusual that he says he learned his greatest lessons from the Bible. And the one Bible verse he loves is Ephesians 2, verse 10. What does that Bible verse say?
1: For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago.
0: So he sees a difference between his father and God the Father. How does he describe that? <laughs>
1: His earthly dad said he was garbage, but his heavenly father says, "I'm his masterpiece. I'm the space image of you."
0: Yes, that's that's really an important thing to understand. That God the Father regards us as the image of Jesus Christ, because we are justified by grace through faith. We are declared sinless and therefore were the spitting image of not only God, the father, but also of Jesus Christ.
1: You know, he then talks kind of, about just a second. It's interesting that he brings up Ephesians two, verse 10, a little, little background history in our family. Yeah. I was confirmed. Um, the Bible passage, my pastor selected for me was Ephesians two verses 8 and 9, and my mother always wondered why not verse 10. So when my children got confirmed, they asked if they could have my my Bible verse, and I said, only on one condition. This they said, well, it's that that their grandmother always thought verse 10 should go in there. So we put verse 10 in in our children's confirmation verse.
0: What was the whole verse, 8, 9, and 10? What did it say?
1: For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself, of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not that we boast as a, not a result of works. For... So that no one should boast from we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus from good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them.
0: So that's that second part that you insisted would also be part of their confirmation verse.
1: Yes. Typically, you know, you get your confirmation certificates from, from uh,
0: Concordia Publishing H- House
1: to Corey Publishing you know, and it only has Ephesians two eighty nine, and nine and you know in in retrospect with what my mother had said I added verse ten to theirs.
0: Yes, when he talks about that we're the masterpiece of God himself, he talks about how we are defined and how we are not defined. What does he say about that?
1: That was very interesting. You are not defined by the person who abused you. You are not defined by the family who hurt you. You are not defined by the spouse or the parent who abandoned you. You are not defined by behavior, addictions, or failures. So the, the rough spots we go through life don't have to necessarily define our nature.
0: So what are we defined by according to him?
1: Well, you are defined by the very God who made you. He made you in His image. You are His masterpiece. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You know that that uh, kind of reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12, looking to Jesus, the Author and Perfector of our faith, who, who for the joy was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand of God, who consider him who endured from sin's hostility against himself, that we may not grow weary or faint hearted So through Jesus and faith in him, we are a new creation.
0: Yes. Not often do we get an email that goes into the original languages, but in this one he talks about in the Greek language, The word masterpiece is the word poema, which translated into English is a thing to be made. And in this context, it relates to a poem or to poetry. And so here's the metaphor he likes using God is the poet, we are the poem. The Lord takes the ashes of our lives and creates beauty. What Bible verse does he use for that?
1: That's interesting. Isaiah 61, verse 3. He molds us, shapes us, and makes us the priceless work of art.
0: Exactly. And that's what a lot of Christians may not understand, that even in the midst of all of their turmoil and grief and suffering, You are a masterpiece being made by God Himself. So,
1: you know what that reminds me of is how He calls His people out of Egypt and takes them across the Red Sea. As we remind ourselves that we are taken through baptism and made to creatures, and He created a new people uh, through calling them out of Egypt and. to to a better place.
0: Yeah, mentioning the Red Sea, we were often told in class uh, the Red Sea was just a small stream where the Israelites went over, and they got over on boats, and then when the Egyptians followed them, they sunk in the mud with their chariots and could not catch them. Well... Mm -hmm. I saw on YouTube uh, a plane crash that crashed into the Red Sea. This was a small jet, and it lost its power and went into the sea. What I found interesting is the Red Sea was so deep, they could not get to where the plane was. It was that deep, and I had never realized that and they had pictures of the red sea and showing how they were trying to get parts of the plane up to see what made it crash and we don't realize the huge miracle there was as you said about them getting out of the red sea
1: uh, see i i learned mine from a higher school uh about uh the at the red sea you opened up and and they went through on dry land, you know what you know what higher school I went to?
0: no my Sunday,
1: school, my Sunday school teacher in the church that I grew up in they always taught it that just just as we had learned it that the Red Sea parted, and they crossed over in dry land
0: exactly. that also happened with the Jordan, did it not, when they went into the yeah. land of Canaan.
1: Absolutely. That's a good point that you bring up and I hadn't thought of that in years.
0: But you also heard that in Sunday school.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Sunday school uh, in the
0: old days was something where they went through the lessons and they didn't get into a lot of the social issues going on in the country because they wanted to make sure you were saved by grace, through faith, mm-hmm. not on account of your works.
1: In the Sunday school I went to, they also took parts of the catechism in, in each grade that we were to memorize for for uh, Sunday school. So by the right. time we got to the seventh and eighth grade, we had most of them memorized.
0: Right. Now, that, you were in a parochial school?
1: No. No, we Nearest parochial school was over thirty-five, forty miles away.
0: So, where did you get this training?
1: Zion Lutheran Church over on one hundred forty-fourth and Ida in Omaha, Nebraska.
0: And that was basically on Sunday mornings, or did you go during the week also?
1: Sunday school was was in the morning, Sunday morning, and, and it was a full hour. An hour and ten minutes that wow. you had with, with a Sunday school teacher, and then of course we we did a half a day for seventh and eighth grade confirmation. That most of the memory work was completed by the by the time we got there.
0: Excellent. Now in this email, Mark McNear, he got out of the addiction. He got out of the rehab. What did he pray to God about?
1: Well, that was interesting. He he would use his story to bring him glory. He knew that God could take the messiness of of his life, the things that the enemy meant for evil, the trauma of his abuse, his addictions, his sexual brokenness, his sin, his maldeveloped behaviors, his fear, his anxiety, his depression, and more, and bring good out of it. It's quite a list.
0: Now, where would he get that idea that God would bring bring good out of it?
1: Well, somebody took the time to share the the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the message of hope and mercy and grace and love.
0: Is there a Bible verse that talks about good? All things work together. Oh, for the good of them, that love him. Yes. See, this is where we have to help our listeners understand how a Christian has a different attitude is not because of his experience, but because of the promises found in the Bible. So he said that God answered my prayers in bigger and better ways than I could have ever dreamed. He turned my mess into a masterpiece. And he took my story and made it a message of hope, grace, mercy, and love. Now, this would be a good exercise to do with youth confirmants. Ask them to write out where a mess of their life turned into a masterpiece.
1: Mm Hmm. That would be an interesting exercise, I would have to say.
0: Yes. And there would be many, like, for example, a child may lose a pet that they loved, died or whatever, but then it was replaced by another pet that they really got to love again. And so these things are important to remember that god does work out all things for our good in other words no story is too complicated or too broken or too be to be too messy for god
1: right well it reminds me of the story of the 10, ten lepers that uh, beseech jesus for for help and he tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they go, one comes back and gives glory to God, and understands where his healings truly come from.
0: And he's a Samaritan.
1: Yes. He was the foreigner in the in the room.
0: Yes. In other words, what this email writer does is... He does talk about how God helped him through his life. But then he says, if he could set me free of my addictions and terrible behaviors, he can set you free also. Now, that's bringing the message home to the reader. Very important.
1: Yeah, well, he goes on to say that he encouraged you to give your story to God. Watch what he does with it, despite everything you've been through. And that's why I brought up the story of Joseph, of Job, the ten lepers, the blind man, the, the apostle Paul, and people, and his people called out of Egypt. Look at how messy things got, got in their lives, and God took and made wonderful plans for them
0: gave him a good future, and a solid hope. And so that's very important to understand that God wants to intervene in your life. And at times, he'll do it by doing something that is just short of miraculous. Now, the Bible tells us that the Lord is a God who restores what the locusts have eaten And redeems our pain. Once more he uses Bible verses. What does he use?
1: Well he uses Job chapter two twenty three, Galatians chapter three, thirteen, fourteen, and Luke one verse sixty eight.
0: Yes. Now we find out what this email writer what his occupation is, and what is he?
1: Well, he's a licensed clinical social worker and a psychotherapist. God's given him the privilege to to work with others who've gone through similar things that he has experienced.
0: Now, that's really important because a lot of people, when they think of, well, a social worker or a psychotherapist, they don't connect religion with that. And many psychotherapists, are very secular in their views. But this gentleman is very religious in his views because of his trust in Bible verses. So this is the kind of psychotherapist that you would want to have, that could use scripture to show how God came alongside him on his painful journey toward healing. And now, he can come alongside others with the same kindness, grace, and hope that the Lord had showed him is also available for you.
1: I, I chuckle a little bit because I can tell a similar type of story that happened as as in, in my pastor as I was pastor of Havana there for a while, I got a phone call to, to come see this lady. Her name was Ellen, and I went to see her at the nursing home, and I asked the Board of elders about it, and they said, well, we don't know if you want to tackle that one, pastor. And they said, you'll, you'll understand. Well, she was schizophrenic. make a long story short, she was schizophrenic which means that she heard voices in her instance she only heard one voice so when i reported back to the board of elders said i was going to take her on as as a member of our congregation they said you sure you want to do that and i said sure i said she's only got one voice that speaks to her i had a brother who had schizophrenia and had five at a time bothering him so you know It was, as the congregation said, the Lord had brought me to that place to to deal with that lady at that time in her her life.
0: Yes, because it was very interesting in Proverbs. It, It talked about the difference between the unbeliever and the believer, and it kind of surprised me, is the unbeliever does not, look to God for anything <coughs> excuse me but the believer he looks to God and listens to him and I found that very interesting that the believer listens and it reminds me what did Jesus say or what did God the Father say about Jesus on mm-hmm. the Mount of Transfiguration?
1: Transfiguration this is my beloved son listen to him
0: Exactly. And right after that, the disciples went back down into the villages, the synagogues, and spoke the word that they had listened to for many years that Jesus had preached to them. And And that's...
1: that, That brings me to the point of Ellen. When we got her back onto her medication, I said, well, did the voice go away? She said, no. And I said, well, you'll have it till the day you die. She said, what do you mean i have it till the day I die? I said, so do you believe in Jesus? And she goes, yes. You trust in his in gospel of his death and resurrection? And he goes, yes. And I said, when you go to heaven, I said, you won't hear those voices. It transformed her life tremendously from that point forward.
0: Yes, there's no doubt that the message of the scripture makes a big difference. So he has in his email, if you wish your story was different, but find that you are stuck in the aftermath of the terrible things that have happened in your life, I encourage you to give your story to whom?
1: Uh, To to God.
0: Yes, to God. And then seek professional Christian counseling. Now, I don't believe I'm a counselor. Uh, A counselor is when you're dealing with people who have some real addictive problems, etc. But we're a comforter. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. He is a true counselor that can bring people not only energy, but life and salvation. So I find this email to be really important. He says I, I your Go ahead. He says your story matters. And I can promise you that when you give God your story, he will indeed bring beauty out of it and create a masterpiece of your life. A divine work of art that's what we want to leave our listeners with that they are divine works of art with god being the poet and they being the poem i'm tom baker and you listen to me and west Reimnitz. till another time